Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Everybody now is talking about financial inclusion. You have central banks, other government regulatory systems that are thinking about how they can increase financial inclusion 
amongst a population that has essentially been just forgotten about and, and left out of the financial systems. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Hello, and welcome back to the show. Okay, I want you to file this episode under your I need to know more about this and I need to know what I can do to change this for every human file. The fact that you're listening right now is already doing the work, so thank you for that. But did you know that 30% of the population of the world is still unbanked? Meaning 30% of the world's population can't easily get to a bank, let alone deposit a check, take cash out, or use any of the conveniences that help you pay for your life. And on top of that, 93% of banks' closures happen in low-income areas. I want you to just let that sink in for a minute. I will fully admit that I am speaking here from a place of privilege. I've never had to worry about getting a bank account in my life, and I don't know what it feels like to have to operate with cash in a cashless world. In this episode, I have an important conversation with Brianna Marbury. Brianna serves as the executive director of the Interledger Foundation, which aims to build access to financial pathways around the world. She brings 15 years of nonprofit experience and leadership to the role, as well as a passion for promoting financial inclusion for all. Brianna is just dedicated to expanding the public's understanding of how we can use technology to potentially improve lots of lives. In this episode, you're going to learn what does it mean to be unbanked? how Brianna thinks we can increase access to financial services, what role crypto plays in all of this, why financial inclusion is critical for us all, and how her money story was shaped as a young woman who didn't have many banking options. Let's get into the conversation. We've got a a lot I really want to talk about, and I want to start here. There's a what I think is kind of a scary statistic that close to one third of adults, about 1.7 billion people are still unbanked without an account at a bank or financial institution. And I mean, it's, it's still, even though I know this is fact, it still just really blows my mind. You're the expert. I wonder if you could give us like a little bit of history around what it really means to be unbanked and, and why is this happening? Yes. 30%, 1.7 billion people is 30% of the world's population. Wow. And it's mind blowing to think about because you have people, like you said, who don't have access to bank accounts because they just don't fit the profiles of the traditional financial customer that banks would look for. When banks are looking at opening up a branch. It's not just a question of, do we have a presence in this area? They think about, um, will these people be able to have, um, 
Will these people be able to have daily average balances that will keep the bank going? Can we sell our services and products to people in this area? And when you think about poor people or people in lower income, lower income areas, they don't necessarily fit those profiles. So they don't get a bank account to begin with. They don't have a bank to access. And a lot of times when we talk about the unbanked, people don't quite realize what effect that has on people. Right. So imagine if you don't have a bank account, you have no way to say pay your light bill in an easy way. Mm. You have to get money out or save money, maybe not even, I was about to say get money out of an ATM, but you don't have an ATM to get money out of, right? So you have to take your cash go to the physical location, stand in line, pay your bill. It's very cumbersome. And I mean, I I would imagine like this is really how racial inequality keeps, you know, moving from generation to generation to generation. And and it just, it sort of blows my mind that banks feel like they have this authority to say, without even really knowing the person, the individual, the family, whatever it is, for them to be able to say, no, you don't qualify to have a bank or, you know, have a bank account at our bank. I mean, that just feels it, it, it it's just mind blowing to me. Yeah, it's it's a purely financial decision. Can we make money off of these people? And the answer is no. Then, oh, well, you don't get access to financial services. So has this changed at all throughout history? I mean, is this getting any better or is this just a problem that just keeps repeating over and over again. Absolutely. Everybody now is talking about financial inclusion. You have central banks, banks, other government regulatory systems that are thinking about how they can increase financial inclusion amongst a population that has essentially been just forgotten about and and left out of the financial systems. So People are looking at how do we increase access to financial services? There are a lot of other organizations that have popped up in the meantime to help address the gap. And what they have found that even though these people may not have large daily balances, when you put all of their amounts together, because again, it's 30% of the population of the world. Right. When you put that together, then the aggregate is worth trillions of dollars. And not that it's a purely financial decision. It's how can we include people that have just been completely left out and excluded? Yeah. I mean, it just feels like a basic human right to be able to take your money and put it in a bank account. That just feels like something that every person should have access to ATM card or to, you know, ATM. I mean, this just feels like something that is, that is just such a basic right. Yes, I totally agree. And that is one of our premises at the Interledger Foundation where I'm working is that Basic financial, digital financial access is a human right. Yeah, I mean, it's just point blank, right? <laughs> yes, it's, it's a human right. Everyone should have access. If they choose to participate in the digital economy, 
then they should have the access to be able to do that. And I think what's what's really interesting about the last few years in particular is with the rise of technology and this, this digital age that we're in, there are a lot of alternatives to the traditional kind of big banks that we, I mean, we used to only have a choice between a few big banks and now there are lots of options. So, you know, my hope is that these aren't just buzzwords that these banks are are talking about there that when they talk about financial inclusion, it's not just like, oh, we want to, you know, we want to look pretty on the outside, but it's something that they really are, um, you know, to the core working, working to change. But I think it's really exciting that we're starting to have all of these options. Yes, that that is the hope that they uh, really want to change. And like I said, not a purely financial uh, decision to try to include people who have been left out. And like I said, there have been organizations that have come in to fill the gap. You have mobile money providers. So although 30% of the world um, is unbanked, 68% of them have access to a mobile device. And so the mobile money providers have made a way so you can send money to each other uh, via via an app, right? Right. And so that is filling a gap. You have alternative, what they call neobanks. You have the central, uh, the central banks that are thinking about how can we increase and send what's called CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, directly to people where they may not have to look at the, um, may not have to fit the same profile as what's required by the commercial banks. Because with a, a commercial bank, they have to go through a process called KYC, Know Your Customer, and that's mainly for anti-terrorism. Okay. So you can't send large amounts of money um, from one person to another. And it requires a lot of information, such as an ID. They have minimum balances. And in some countries, it might not even be a cultural norm to carry ID. Mm, okay, that makes sense. It's really interesting when you start kind of digging, <laughs> yeah. digging underneath it all. And this is I guess maybe a, a large question, but I, I would love your opinion on it. Like, how do you think the world would change if we were truly about financial inclusion? Like, what, what sort of differences would we see? I think that we would see an increase from populations with a, a lower GDP. It would enrich their economies. Think about the artisans who have to go through a third party and sell their wares, which then that middle person does a markup and sells it to someone else. Imagine if they could talk to them directly and be able to exchange and transact with them directly versus having to go through that middle person. Also, when we think about transmittances, Right. So if you're sending money to a relative in another place, for instance, I'm from Jamaica and sometimes you get a call. We need some money. Great. The only way to do it is through Western Union. 
or a similar service. And that's the same case for a lot of different smaller countries where there's not a lot of competition and not a lot of ways to send money. So then what ends up happening is you have to pay large fees and it takes a long time to get there. And remember, like I said, a lot of times these instances happen in emergency situations. So they're trying to get the money really fast and they can't do that uh, with Western Union. Sometimes they can. It's like, oh, you want the money faster? Here, let's let's pay a larger fee, right? Yeah. So we're trying to change that um, in how money is being sent and how people interact with each other. So I think that it would enrich economies um, broaden the scope for small vendors and allow people to create uh, meaningful livings off of the work that they're doing. Yeah. You bring up Western Union. It still blows my mind that there aren't a lot of competitors mm-hmm. <laughs> for Western Union that it's still, like you say, if you need to send money that way, it's still, okay, well, you know, depending on how fast you want it to get there is the the add-on fee, which is always just exorbitant. But that there isn't, especially in the technology age that we're in, there aren't multiple places that you could go to do this transaction. Exactly. So you you travel all around the world. <laughs> Have you seen different countries? I mean, I would imagine because of the work that you do, you kind of look at like how does the money system work in these in these different places? Is there anything that kind of stands out to you? Is maybe a place that you see that that does it well, or maybe the opposite of that? Yes. So I was just in Chile last month, and last month being January, and they don't have a way to transact with each other digitally. I went out with some friends, and it's so just customary in the United States to say, hey, let me cash app you. Right. Right. They don't have that option. And so I said, you don't have any type of digital way to transact money. No, Uh, we can go to the ATM and you can pull out money. I was like, what? Oh, that is. And that is shocking because Chile is the uh, most advanced country in South America. So if you have the most advanced country on a continent that's experiencing this, these issues, what are some of the other countries experiencing? Um, I would like to point out that at the Interledger Foundation, we do have a grantee in Chile who is working on this very issue. And he wants to start in Chile, but spread it all over um, Latin America. So it, it, it's, it's mind-blowing <laughs> to me how... <laughs> You just, something as simple and things that we take for granted are not available in other countries. Wow. Yeah, yeah I keep saying that word in this episode, but. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just, that's, that's within countries. Forget about talking about interoperability and cross-border payments. Then you, you're opening up a whole other set of problems. So speaking of of financial inclusion in, in this digital age that we're in and and the higher fees that really exist for um, all sorts of things for creators, uh, there are lots of creators, small small business entrepreneurs who 
create things. And, um, you know, there's, there's a stat that you actually provided me that I want to just talk about that says 90% of web creators actually earn below the poverty level. And then for creators of, of color and other, you know, historically excluded groups, that's even potentially worse. Tell me a little bit about this. You know, why is this happening? So when you see creators online and you think about being an influencer or blogger, what you don't realize is that, like you said, 90% of them live at or below the poverty level. And then you only have a couple of resources, a couple of platforms to post your work. And the larger platforms can charge fees up to 30% because there's no other competition, again, to, to be able to post your work. And so at the Interledger Foundation, we're trying to combat this by using web monetization to give more autonomy to developers and creators to have more of a choice and a voice over how they're paid. And when I talk about web monetization, I mean micropayments. And I'm going like down a rabbit hole. And so what micropayments is, the interledger protocol allows you to stream micropayments to your account. And how that's useful, when I say micropayments, I mean like a percentage of a cent. So how that's useful, say you're a blogger and you create this work. And the only way for you to get paid is to have paywalls on your site or have ads, which takes your user's information. But if you were to sign up for web monetization and me being a subscriber concerned about my privacy, wanting to support you and your work and not wanting to have a million subscriptions, I come to your website and for every second that I spend on your website, you streamed micropayments. And the longer I spend on your site, the more payments you receive. Hmm. Also, the more traffic you receive, the more payments you receive. So it's a great alternative uh, for paywalls and ads. And we're not saying that this is the only thing that you should do, but we want to give people options to what they're doing now. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. 
Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I love options. <laughs> As a creator myself, I think that mm-hmm. it's really important to uh, to have lots of options because it's tough to be an entrepreneur or a web creator or whatever category you fall in, mm-hmm. let alone if there's any kind of exclusionary um I guess like exclusion to 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 getting paid because right. everyone out there that is that is working in their sweet spot, that is doing what they feel they should do to, you know, 
provide for the world and, and show their gifts and talents should be able to get paid. Exactly. We got to get you web monetized. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. So I, tell me a little bit more about, about your background. Like where did this passion come for, for changing this, this paradigm around financial inclusion? Well, I'm uh, from Detroit. And when I was talking about that, those access to banks and financial services, I grew up with that. And the banks that we had were few and far between and charged high fees that a lot of people couldn't afford. Since 2008, the number of physical banks uh, physical bank locations has continuously declined, and 93% of those bank closures happened in low-income areas. Yeah. So you were left with the options of, okay, I have, I don't have a bank account. I get a physical check. I have this money. How do I access? How do I turn this check into cash? And so your options were to go to the check cashing place on the corner. That was the most convenient thing. And they charge high fees. And most people are already living at or below poverty rates. So you can't afford to pay those high fees. And it's, it's not fair. I say this all the time. Like it, it is expensive to be poor. It's yeah. a topsy-turvy system. And unless you have a connection to more affluent communities to see this is not how it's done everywhere, you don't realize how unfairly you're being treated. And so <laughs> the funny thing is, I didn't start out saying, oh, well, I want to be in the payment space. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually a newbie to like the tech and payment space. I spent most of my career working for nonprofits because I always felt that I wanted to give back and it was really important for me to be aligned with any organization, uh, aligned with the mission of any organization that I worked for. And um, being in accounting and finance and nonprofits, I also saw how difficult it was sending payments overseas and trying to get people paid and how costly it was, how time consuming it was. When we are in the digital age, you can you send you can send an email really fast, but you can't send money. So when I learned about the Interledger protocol and all of its capabilities, I was really excited to join. And now that I'm in this space, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. So tell me a little bit about like some of the other initiatives you're or all the things you're kind of working you're working on at Interledger. So um, like I mentioned, our grant for the web program, it deals with um, web monetization and bringing creators, developers, entrepreneurs into the tech space. We're also looking at an open payments uh, program. And what I mean by open payments is the ability to have interoperability between systems. Um, right now, if I'd send you money. If we want to interact Cash App and Venmo, they don't talk. But if they were built on the Interledger protocol, they would be able to um, talk easily. And it doesn't matter if it was from 
uh, USD to Thai baht, to crypto to crypto. It's currency agnostic, so you can do anything with it. So we're exploring programs around open payments and seeing exactly what people uh, need to do that. So we have a lot of initiatives that are, are going towards open payments and web monetization right now. And you mentioned crypto, and I'm I'm curious how the crypto movements, I mean, obviously crypto is everywhere now. How mm-hmm. do you see this changing the landscape when we're talking about financial inclusion? The way that I see crypto and financial inclusion, I would like to expand that beyond crypto to include blockchains and other innovative payment methods. A lot of times when people think of blockchain, they think of crypto, but blockchain is actually uh, useful for so many other use cases, um, such as NFTs that you've probably been hearing a bunch about. (laughs) Uh, Insurance companies are looking at ways to use blockchains as a way to be able to transact. CBDCs could be built on blockchains. And the way that it can have financial inclusion is that you can include other people. It's easier for people to access um, these systems than previously. And the Interledger protocol also allows these systems to talk to each other. So if you have a blockchain on, say, Ethereum, you can only do things within Ethereum. But if Ethereum is connected with Interledger, Interledger can talk to other blockchains. And so I think we have yet to see what the real capabilities of all of this new innovative technology is. It's really interesting. I just think it's really interesting to see the movement that's happening with crypto and Bitcoin and blockchain. And I mean, you name it, we can go down the whole list. And I'm sort of sitting on the sidelines a little bit, just really curious to see how this changes everything, how we how we deal with money, how we pay for things, how we transfer money, how, I mean, you know, all sorts of things. Like how does this even change traditional banking institutions? It's just really interesting to me uh, to think about what might happen in the next, in the next five years. So hearing you say that so many different use cases are looking at, at blockchain, I mean, that definitely brings legitimacy to, to what's happening. It's fascinating to see. It is fascinating to see. And it's so funny how people come up with things like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Like I said, with insurance companies, like let's use this to be able to talk to each other to so that you don't have a whole bunch of different systems to try to gather information from. You, This person has a, a long history here. Here's how you access it. And also... And how fast everything is moving. I have been in this space for almost two years, and it is incredible to see just how fast everything is moving. It is definitely, definitely mind-blowing. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Everyday Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, 
serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Ninen, the host of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards, We'll remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, I have a question. I kind of want to. I kind of want to end with this question, and I'm, I'm going to ask this as uh, as a as a white female who has just never had a problem with financial inclusion. I've always been able to get a bank account. I've always been able to get a credit card. I. I don't know what it's like to to not have these things available to me. So I'm curious, what can we all do, everyone who's listening here, to really help this movement along so that everybody can have access to financial products? Everybody can be included as one. Is, is there anything we can do? It is there are things that you can do. You can get involved with like the open source communities. If you're kind of tech leaning, you can become involved with organizations who are trying to change how we look at financial inclusion and how we take steps to include people. We have a community space that involves everybody from creators to developers to people who are just curious about the space and want to get involved. So Brianna, it was so great to have you on the show and talk about this really important issue. If somebody's listening and they want to learn more about Interledger and and get on board and and really support what you guys are doing, tell us where we go. You go to interledger.org. And we also have a community space that you can join. We have community calls that are monthly to talk about what is new, what is fresh, what is going on, what are what are we working on? We also have a Slack channel where people can come and ask questions if they're curious about the technology. 
We answer everybody. We love to talk to people. So please come join us. For some super naive reason, I guess, I was under the belief that financial inclusion and particularly unbanked individuals was just getting a lot better. However, it seems like with everything around money, we're still playing the game of if a company can't make money off of you, then it doesn't want to serve you. And I don't know about you, but that makes me really angry, honestly. I am just very glad, elated, ecstatic that there are people like Brianna and the Interledger Foundation out there working to change this for everyone. Do you dare of a world where everyone has access to financial products that can help us all live, pay our bills, save money, and invest? I don't know. I think I'm going to dare to dream that. What do you think? If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor now. Share it with a friend or family member. Share it on social media. Share it with anyone who you think needs to hear this important money topic. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guest, as well as the sponsors who make this podcast possible. Also, we had some fun, Brianna and myself, talking about my love of burgers, her love of pizza, our love of food after the interview. So I'm going to put that in just to show that we can have a fun, light conversation and still talk about a super heavy money subject. So if you're a burger lover, just like myself, I don't know, maybe you might be inspired to go out, have a burger, and let this episode kind of sink in. You have anything else you want to add on? or? Um, I, I don't have anything else that okay. I want to add on. But I, 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 this is completely non-related. I wanted to ask you about you being a, a burger aficionado. Oh, yes, <laughs> I am. I will... I will eat any burger in my sight. <laughs> well, okay, let's let's say there are some parameters around this. Okay. I'm not a I'm not a fast food burger person, but yeah. you okay. know, give me like a good quality burger. I I just you know, my husband always jokes, he's like, Do you want a burger again tonight? Why, yes, I do. Thank you very much. Are you offering? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, so do you have a list of <sighs> okay in this state? This city has the best burgers, and do you just keep like a spreadsheet of the best burgers around, or you just know? Kind of. I mean, I'm not quite to the spreadsheety <laughs> piece around burgers, but I do know I do know a few places where I'm like, oh, you know, I that's a great that's a great burger. So, and mm. we, all, my husband, and I always have discussions around. All right, yeah. who who has that? Was this the best, or how do we rank the best? And yeah. I mean, we're just ridiculous that way. But, but, I, but I, yeah, I understand. I'm the same with pizza. So, well, yeah, I mean, I I could do burgers, pizza, and tacos, um, in just almost like a constant rotation. So <laughs> I have to literally force myself to say, all right. I, I need to add something else here into the mix. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's. I was just curious. I was like, burger aficionado. I, I always love talking to foodies and people who are passionate about. <laughs> so oh yes. Well, I love to cook. I love to eat. I mean, it's just. Uh, I love having people around with food and community. Mm -hmm. It's just yeah. so much like a part of a part of who I am that it's it's really hard to separate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, I love food. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me ask you one more thing. Just, I'm going to just wrap it up real quick. And Hey, you, yes, you, before you go, 
We want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.